So the reading today is found on page 12 of your Bibles. Um, that's Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through to 15. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tents in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seers of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, if you'd like to keep that passage open in front of you, and uh, we're going to look at that together. And as we do, let's uh, pray uh, and ask for the Lord's help. Our Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the time that we can gather around it now. We pray that as we do, you would minister to us by your spirit, uh, that you would uh, give us a deeper uh, knowledge and love of you as we spend time uh, listening to what you have to say to us today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, the, the late 20th century minister and author John Stott was said to wake every morning at 5 a.m. and take a short nap every afternoon. Uh, and as I've grown older, uh, I have become fond of one of those routines. Uh, although my naps tend to be limited to a Saturday afternoon as the scores roll in on Gillette Soccer Saturday. Uh, if you're fond of the practice of an afternoon nap, then you will know that being suddenly uh, woken 
is really welcome. And it can take a few minutes to shake yourself back into reality. But I wonder how you'd react if you were suddenly woken up from your nap by a ring at the door, only to find three strangers standing there. If you're anything like me, then your response would, would probably be pretty different from the one that we read about in the uh, passage that we're looking at today. And instead of uh, Abraham telling these guys that he wasn't interested in whatever it was that they were selling, Abraham is lavish in his hospitality to these three strangers. Uh, and what becomes uh, clear from the very beginning of this passage is that this is a very special visit from a very special visitor. If you look with me at, at verse 1, uh, we read there, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. So we have the benefit of knowing right from the very beginning of this passage uh, who it was that was paying Abraham a visit, that God himself had come to Abraham's house. And clearly, Abraham, Abraham excuse me, he was quick to realize that as well. <clears throat> as he woke from his nap, we read verse 2, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. So Abraham, he addresses God with a divine title. He, he approaches him with reverence. He bows low to the ground and he urges God and his companions to stay for a meal. Now, we know from the previous chapter that, that Abraham was 99 years old by this point. He was an old man. But that didn't stop him doing everything that he could to make his guests feel welcome. We're told, verse 2, that he ran from the door of his tent. Something that would have normally been beneath the head of a household to do, especially a 99-year-old one. But Abraham, he didn't care. He humbled himself before God and he did everything that he could to make God and his companions feel welcome. He says, verse 4, let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. So he shows them to the best seat in the grounds under the shade of a tree out of the, the heat of the noonday sun. And then he goes about getting a meal sorted. And it would be fair to say from, from Abraham's description of the meal that he was a master of understatement. That morsel of bread, it turned into a feast. If you look with me at verse 6, we read there, And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. And now, earlier this week, um, I had the opportunity to have dinner with uh, my old flatmate from, from London. In our early 20s, we, we shared a flat in the East End of London. And uh, 
he was up with his wife, Joe, uh, and his kids, uh, and he asked uh, if we'd be able to go out for a meal. So we went out for a, a lovely meal at Oregano on Leith Walk. Great pizza, if you've not been there. Um, and uh, every time we get together, his wife always takes pleasure in reminding me of a, a restaurant recommendation that I gave to them before they were married. Uh, Steve had, had his, uh, received his first paycheck in his job, uh, and he wanted to take uh, Joe out for a fancy meal. And so I told him about a, a restaurant that, that I'd been to the week before and how it was a great restaurant and they wouldn't be disappointed if they went there. And Joe always likes to remind me that that was her first ever experience of Nando's. Uh, but the description that we have in these verses, it's not of some fried chicken, uh, casual dining restaurant chain. What's going on here in Abraham's tent could have been the, the high-pressure environment of a Michelin-starred restaurant. Abraham was running about, hurrying everyone along to prepare a lavish feast. This so-called morsel of bread became the best that Abraham had to offer. We even get a description of the quality of meat. We are told that the calf was tender and good. Uh, a while back, Kenny McLeod and I uh, were out for a walk uh, around uh, Leith, and we went past uh, the Smiddy Barbecue Joint, which uh, sadly is now closed. Um, and the guy who, who ran the place, uh, I think his name was Cameron, he, he, he described in great detail how they treated their cattle before it made it to their smoker. Um, this was the ultimate fusion of barbecue and hipster coming together. And he explained that, that until uh, the day where these animals made it to the smoker, they, they had a great life. Uh, they had their bellies uh, regularly rubbed, uh, and they roamed around freely in the field until the day came where they were subjected to what he described as a non-stress kill. Uh, and uh, it was the ultimate way to make sure that the meat stayed tender and good. I'll spare you the details, uh, just to say that it involved an element of surprise. And that would have been the case with the calf that Abraham served up that day. It would have had a special treatment all of its life to make it as tasty as possible when the time came. And when the time came, things happened very quickly. And as his guests ate, Abraham, the head of the house, he took the role of a servant. We're told, verse 8, that he stood by them under the tree while they ate. Abraham was the consummate host. He gave his guests the best that he could offer which, of course, was entirely appropriate considering who his guests were. You know, it's a challenge for us to think about what we offer God. You know, Abraham was not offering the leftovers uh, just a bit of a morsel of stale bread. He gave God his best. He honored God with the best that he had. As Christians, we are called to, to practice hospitality. 
Uh, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 35, Jesus said to his disciples, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. As we extend hospitality to others, it is part of our uh, worship to God, our obedience to our Lord. As we, we welcome strangers, we honor God uh, and point them to the welcome that Jesus offers. In a few minutes, we're going to gather together for a meal after the service. And as we gather, it's about so much more than just filling our bellies. It's a time to welcome one another, a time to make new friendships and to deepen existing ones. It's a time to share. It's a time to listen, a time to encourage one another. So much can happen around a meal table as we slow down and spend time together. Simply eating together, whether that's here, like we'll do today, or as we open up our homes to one another and to those who don't yet know Jesus, it's a wonderful way to invite people into the welcome that Jesus offers. And in our context, uh, today, I would say that that is a, a wonderful uh, approach to sharing more of who Jesus is and, and what he's done. Abraham was lavish in his hospitality. He did everything that he could to be a blessing to his guests. But as they ate, it became clear that they were the ones who had come to be a blessing they'd visited for the benefit of a particular person in Abraham's household, a person who wasn't even present at the meal. If you look with me at verse 9, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? Now, last week we were in chapter 17, and we were learning about how God strengthened Abraham's faith as he reaffirmed his promise to him. And here in chapter 18, we see him pay a visit specifically for Sarah's benefit. Now, at that time, uh, such a meal uh, would not have been a place for women. Uh, the men would have eaten, eaten separately from the women. So, so Sarah, she wasn't present at the table. Uh, she was in the tent. But evidently, she was within earshot to hear God's promise to her. Verse 10, the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. And in response to God's promise, we read verse 12, that, that Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? As Sarah heard the promise of God, the bitterness and frustration of decades of disappointment flooded through her mind. That promise of a baby no doubt triggered in her so many painful memories of faded hopes and dreams. So many times of hurt and as she recalled the the looks or, or the comments from others in a culture that saw barrenness as a curse. 
Here she was, a 90-year-old woman described in verse 11 as old and advanced in years. She was well past childbearing age. We're told, verse 11, that the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. She was now at a stage in her life where it was physically impossible for her to bear a child. As far as she was concerned, the years of waiting, hoping, and praying had come to nothing. You know, maybe you can relate to Sarah today. Maybe you know the bitter experience of frustrated hopes and dreams. Maybe something that you have longed for for years has never happened. Maybe things aren't as you would choose them to be right now. Maybe you look around and you wonder why God seems to be blessing others, but not you. Maybe you're wondering, where is God in your pain, in your hurt? Has he forgotten you? Is he still good? Does he love you? Well, look here at the way that God visited Sarah. The way he came for her. To meet her in her pain. To assure her of his promises. To remind her of his power. You see, even though Sarah laughed to herself, she didn't verbalize her thoughts. God knew the thoughts of her heart. We read verse 13. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. See, Sarah tried to deny her laughter. How was this stranger to know what she was thinking in her heart? But God's knowledge of her thoughts demonstrated who it was that sat at that meal table. Only God could know the inner thoughts of her heart. Only he could see. And as he asks the question in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Only the sovereign God of the universe who made all things and sustains all things and is in control of all things, only he could promise that this 90-year-old woman would give birth within a year. Only the one who made the laws of nature could suspend and rearrange those laws to fulfill his promise of a son. God, in his grace, met Sarah in her unbelief. And he blessed her in ways far beyond anything that she could ever possibly have imagined. And he's the same God who meets us today. Whatever disappointment, whatever frustration, whatever bitterness that we might carry in the face of unanswered longings, we have a God 
who promises to bless his people. He promises to bless them far beyond anything that we could ever hope for. And that's exactly what he's done. Centuries after the events of Genesis chapter 18, God came again to meet his people, this time in the person of his son. Jesus, the offspring of Abraham, one of his descendants, he says of himself in Matthew chapter 11 that he came eating and drinking. He met round meal tables and he spoke of how he fulfilled God's promises to Abraham. He promised all who are weary and heavy laden to come to him so that he could give them rest. He, he promised purpose, fulfillment, meaning, satisfaction, joy, far beyond anything that this life could give. Shortly before he died, he ate a meal with his followers, a, a meal that spoke of the, the death that he would die, how he would shed his blood so that anyone who trusts in him might be forgiven. And he promised them that the next time that they ate that meal with him, it would be in his father's kingdom. It's a meal that anyone who has faith in the Lord Jesus will one day delight in. An eternal banquet where they would be the guests and he, the risen and reigning Lord, would be the host. And friends, if we have put our hope in Jesus Christ, it's that meal that we look forward to today. Whatever longings may remain unfulfilled in this life, whatever frustrations arise from unrealized hopes and dreams, in Christ, we have a hope that goes far beyond anything that we could ask or imagine. A future where the deepest longings of our hearts will be fulfilled. A future where there will be no more bitterness, no more regret, no more frustration, no more pain. A future where we will feast with our promised King. A future where we will know only joy and peace that will never end. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you meet with us. Thank you, Lord God, that you came in the person of your Son, the Lord Jesus. You came eating and drinking. You sat at meal tables and you invited people to come and to know you. We thank you for the glorious hope that we have of one day gathering around your banqueting table where you will host a, a community of people from all tribes and tongues and, and nations who will feast with you. We thank you that today as we, we gather uh, to, to share in a meal here of bread and wine, uh, and as we gather to to, to enjoy a meal together, um, that we have a glimpse of that glorious future that all who trust in the Lord Jesus can look forward to. 
a future that means that our temporary struggles and frustrations can be seen in the context of an eternity where we will know joy and satisfaction and fulfillment forever. And we thank you that that is available to us today in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.